You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire football podcast, recapping a, I'll say it, Matt, an eventful week 12 for MWR.com. There is a lot going on. There were tears shed, close calls, amazing performances, and a blowout we'll have to discuss as well, or two blowouts, I guess. But uh, how'd you feel the week, man? It's a decent week. Your team, Clint's division title, the Fresno State Bulldogs are on their way to Boise in a couple weeks. That's good. Yeah, I was going to say eventful is sort of putting it mildly. <laughs> there was a, that Wyoming Boise game we'll get to. There is a lot going on. Let's just dive into it. Friday night, San Diego, San Diego State on the road at New Mexico. Okay, I have to ask a question about this. Aztecs win 34-10. I don't care about the result of this game. You know what I care about? As I did a yeah. quick interview, or sorry, long interview with – um Whoever San Diego State does for the student radio, I'm like, yeah, I'll spend time with you. It's been half an hour. And Matt, how many times have I said, if the Aztecs get an above average quarterback, they're unstoppable? However, well, it seems like, seems like they got an above average quarterback now. But where's the running game? That's our problem, which happened, which was there in this game. But if they have everything as usual, give me a Christian, Christian, Christian Chapman plus five, they would literally be. Cincinnati, UCF, and I don't think I'm exaggerating by that. Jalen Maiden, 280 yards. Like this, his game wasn't overly amazing, but he's been so consistent the past couple weeks. Two touchdowns, 280 yards, 15, 25, whatever. But there's a slow burn to a blowout in this game over New Mexico, 34-10. And it seems like Brady Hoke has found his quarterback for now, and the next couple of years. Now he's got to figure out the rest of the stuff going forward. I guess maybe next year since Maiden's a junior, but. He looked, he was going downfield. He was finding guys open. You had, uh, Mikhail Shaw had an amazing game. Like Jesse Matthews only, only had two catches and, but they still had an amazing passing game in this against Lobos, which is a diminishing return defensively the past month or two, but still it's overall, what'd you say? Above average defense, I guess. And, and Maybe. really that's sort of the, that's sort of the difference between this year's team, the way that they've been playing since they made the quarterback switch. 
and the the type of team that won 12 games last year. Like, repeating what they did last year was always going to be very hard to do. But what, 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 but what made those, you know, conference champion winning teams back, like, you know, five, six years ago at this point so special was the fact that they combined a, a good defense, if not necessarily an elite defense, like the one that they've had the last couple of years, mm-hmm. with an above-average offense. And so while it looks different on its face, it seems like over the past five, six weeks ago that that is sort of the formula that they've come back around to. And, you know, obviously against a New Mexico team that has continued to struggle to find any kind of offensive traction, you know, they turned to yet another starting quarterback, CJ Montez, who, you know, mm-hmm. played about as well as you might expect him to do against the Aztecs defense, 15 and 23, 112 yards, and the one interception by, uh, by Dallas Branch, but Maiden really has been a, a big X factor for this team, and it's he's been despite the small sample size, like almost historically good. Like I, I put it out there on Twitter uh, yesterday, I believe that you know uh, of the thirty something Aztecs quarterbacks in history who have as many career pass attempts as Maiden has in his short tenure as a quarterback. You know, his completion percentage, if I remember correctly, is number one in that group. Yeah. I'm trying to find a tweet, but I remember looking over, it's like he's in his, elite company. And his yards per attempt and his passer rating are number two behind one one guy, Dennis Shaw, who was only a one-year starter back in 1969. So, so I wanted to put that context out there to say that, it, long story short, it has been a while since we have seen a St. Davis State quarterback play at this level. And even though the running game was sort of hit or miss again, you know, Keenan Christian, of course, had a very big game. You know, half of his yards basically came on one carry and nearly three quarters of them came on three carries. Uh, You know, 10 of 10 rushing attempts, 102 yards in the one 49-yard touchdown. Like, where was that? Um, Dude, come on. (laughs) But the special teams were on point. And and the passing game looked sharp. Um. You know, you mentioned Makai Shaw, Mark Redmond had another big game, five catches, 66 yards on six targets. You know, Matthews caught both of his passes. Terrell Shavers had another big play. They've they've discovered a, a different kind of explosiveness than what it was that made them special in the middle of last decade, where, you know, in that championship run, it was all about Rashad Penny. It was all about Danelle Pumphrey, and it was all about these, like, 1,500, 2,000-yard pass uh, rushers. Now they're getting it done through the air. And here's what they did really quick big plays 51 yard touchdown pass to Miguel Shaw, Mikhail Shaw. Mm-hmm. Made it a 63 yard pass to Shavers, 30 yard pass to Shaw, and then the one big running pull, not one, but almost half of Christian's, Christian's yards came on a 49 yard run in this late in the second half to go yeah. up by 18 points. So four huge plays, three in the passing game. Like he is, like, why the heck? Did, I don't want to say coaches miss this, but why was he, why is he playing defense anyways? Like, you tell me he's been on the roster for three years. I, I believe was he a JUCO transfer or transfer at all? So I know he was a junior. No, I think he. I think he was just a recruit, and he played in the. I mean, you may from you may recall that he also played. You know, saw some time in mop up duty in last year's championship game against Utah State. Yeah, just was, and, yeah. oh yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and it looked pretty good there too. And granted, that was under much different circumstances, but yeah, you know, better late than never, I guess you might say. Yeah, you have him. Like it's 
Like, what were they? Like, I don't, it just doesn't make sense. What is Brady Hoke doing? It's like, I know he put, he's similar to Kyle Woody in Utah, put our best players, athletes on defense. How about you put your best player at the best position and the best athlete? Who cares where they play? Mm-hmm. If they're a great quarterback, put them at quarterback. If they're a great DB, running back, stick them there. I know there's going to be some, I know it's sim- easier said than done, but you have a guy who literally not playing offense comes in and it, we need to have some, this is more of an off season discussion, but like him, he, him, we should have like a, Hey, came out of nowhere player. He's literally came out of nowhere guy this year for the mountain West to be an elite player. Anybody else in the conference, not necessarily new. I guess it's kind of, kind of be a, it's not a newcomer war, but like a breakout award. Mm-hmm. I'd think about more of the conference more thoroughly to kind of get a better picture, but he has to be up there. Top three of who the heck is this guy to come out to be one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. He's better than Andrew Peasley, better than anything the Mexico has. He's uh, better than probably half the league as a quarterback, right? Like he's not, the only guys I'd put below him because I didn't really do my I didn't do my quarterback rankings this year, just whatever. But not better. Jay Kaner, better obviously. I, I'd put Shavon Cordero ahead of him. Brad Rock, excuse me, Hazik Daniels, different QB, so it's hard to compare. But I put them similar production wise, I guess, for how they lead their team. But who else? Like Cooper Lagos, really good. I'd put them kind of in the same same range of outcome type of player, but beyond that, like Taylor Green, oh, he's okay. He's like like Taylor Green would be in the kind of conversation as well. But what they yeah, like mean, typically what they typically do, you would not expect this from. Hey, DB, go play quarterback. I'd assume Lucas Johnson or more of a uh, running quarterback type of situation. That's not that's not the case. So he does both well, but he's clearly a guy who can sling the ball well. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Like, passer rating isn't always the most accurate way of sort of measuring quarterback performance. But it is, I think it is important to note that, you know, as of the end of week 12, there are now 14 quarterbacks in the Mountain West who've thrown at least 100 pass attempts. And the only guy in the entire conference with a better quarterback rating than Maiden right now is Jake Hayner. Yeah. He's been great. He has been. It's one more year, and so we'll see. They have one more game left than whatever bowl game they go to. But this is an exciting, like an exciting team that if they get, if um, Kate, Keenan, excuse me, Christian, sorry, trying to get his name properly here because he, he's literally had like ten carries all season. He's a junior as well. Like if he comes out next year as well, defense is always there. They get a new OC, or maybe they make Jeff Horton the permanent OC. They have guys like the. I know they lose uh, Jesse Matthews, I believe, to the NFL or. Attempt whatever eligibility wise, I'm not sure if he can be a super COVID senior or whatnot, but they're reasonably set going forward. But in this game, it was just a slow burn. I know we're not talking too much about the game itself, but they just kind of slowly went to it. They had a couple interceptions. They, um, that what's his name had a Dallas had a third interception as many games. They just had a slow burn where it was basically over when it was 28 10. Like I was watching this game that third quarter. Okay, okay, game's over now. It's twenty one ten. When it comes to New Mexico, it's over. It's typically over a little sooner than that. I know, but when when New Mexico got the field goal ended, I'm like, okay, maybe there's a little bit, but low, but Aztec scored right away to officially nail it in twenty eight ten. I'm not saying they come back, but when it's twenty one ten, I'd give teams okay halftime maybe, but when they made a touchdown twenty eight ten, like it's officially officially over. But they go with the new with Montez like Montez back there running game okay. Nathaniel Jones. They just when you get down like that, he had all his runs, runs or excuse me, yards on one run essentially. And you do have to give credit like Jarek Reed and Cody Moon who are out there doing their best. Like they did get to the backfield with six TFLs, but overall, it's like they're 
Danny Gonzalez is a world of hard to find a quarterback as well on his end. And he hasn't, they haven't found it in like a decade. Not his fault, but like, obviously, you know what I mean? Outside of like, I mean, the, when the, they the ran... last of the last effective quarterback that the Lobos have had was probably Lamar Jordan. Oh, true. Yeah. Let's just think about it. Bob Davey with his unique offense. It's like, yeah, but, yeah, but you're, but you are absolutely correct because, you know, the, the running game has been, it has shown flashes. Like, you know, Nate Jones only had eight carries, but he had at least one big run. And it seems like yeah. you, you, you catch glimpses of it sort of very few and far between. But it's really the quarterback situation that's holding them back because you know, for as, as rough as the team has been, I'm pretty sure this is the first time all year that they've gone over on third downs. Yikes. Over ten. That's over. No, actually, over over eleven. Actually, actually, sorry. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I was. Yeah, I must have been looking at something different. So over over eleven, over ten on third. Okay, yeah, because stat broadcast says over ten on third down and then over one on fourth. So regardless, they're over and couldn't move the ball. This team also part of it too. Transfer portal. They had decent players, but they just up and go, which you can't blame them. When you go to this team and you explode and do well, it's like, well, I'll go somewhere else to get a little bit better notification or better notification, but notice more and better recognition, I should say. But it's this is the offseason stuff we'll get to because we're getting to that point here with a couple, yeah. only a couple games left or one week left. I mean, they're, they're going to have a chance to go out on a high note against Colorado State in the season finale. But I mean, I, I'm starting to think, regardless of the result next week, that the pressure's on. For, for Danny Gonzalez and that coaching so, staff year, to, to figure things out year, in the right? offseason, get it right. And I would say at a minimum, like they've got to, I mean, I don't want to say like bowl or bust in 2023, but you got to, you got to win more games flat out. It's your, it'll be year four for him next season. Well, like let's, let's put it this way. Like you know, the Bob Davey era didn't, didn't end well for anybody involved. But at least when they were losing games in those early years, they were interesting. Because at yeah, least dude, back then, you had guys like that. Casey Carrier running for like 1,200 yards, Terrell Presley, you know, Terry on Gibson, those types of guys who at least made them exciting to watch, if, you know, flawed and if not necessarily, you know, it, it, you know, it took them. But again, it also took them four years to get to a bowl game, to get to those back-to-back bowl games. But at the same time, you know, Bob Davey was winning more games per year in those early years. Like, you know, through three years, you know, two two plus seasons, almost three seasons, Danny Gonzalez has won two, three, and two games. In Davey's first three years, he won four, three, and four before his breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So it's a steeper climb, which I don't think I would have said coming into the year. But a lot of it just is, it comes down to having played basically the entire season with one hand behind their back. I have a legit question for you, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer. So that offense they ran, they brought in, was it Bob DeBose from Sam Houston State to be their OC? Mm-hmm. And you you and I both listened to Full Cat, or not Full Cat, but the Split Zone Duo about Godfrey. Yes. Love. He's, he's all over the triple option offense. But he also mentions, and they talk, if you don't listen to them, go listen to it and give them five bucks a month to listen to all their shows. Toaching season is the best part of their whole podcast, I think, starting right now, essentially. That's a couple weeks. It's, it's sometimes more fun. And then he talks about fit and be weird to win. Like, he loves Wyoming. I think his header on Twitter still when he went to, to War Memorial Stadium for a couple years ago or who knows how long ago. But 
Mm-hmm. Be different and weird. Like the reason New Mexico is good, Bob Davy, because that op- offense they ran wasn't pretty. Wasn't well, no. Let me scratch, scratch it. Wasn't traditional. Very unique. Diamond formation, run option, some triple option, m- m- minus a fullback dive. Jet sweeps all over the place. Like Darrell Presley, they remember they beat Boise State on the blue turf. Like they went out and beat Boise State, co-conference, co-division champs that year, and they went to those bowl games. They need to run. Don't go trip option, but. Could they – does the Mexico or the Mountain West – I'll say more Mountain West than Mexico, but this involves both. Could they go out and get one of Coastal Carolina's co-offensive coordinators to be the OC in New Mexico? Can they, could they pull that off? Because that's no. the type of offense they, they need for – okay, I know your answer is no. But they need something like that. Could they get their quarterback's coach to come over? Could they get Probably something not. like that to – no, to be the OC? They wouldn't do that? No? I mean, they they plucked their current OC from the high school ranks in the state of New Mexico. Like, they're trying to build an in-state program, which I think it, it, it makes a reasonable amount an of sense. An in-state program that produces – hold on. And I should look at 24-7, but I'll spout off. That probably produces three FBS talented, talent players all year. I guarantee – maybe I'm vastly disrespecting the Lobos, Roger, and other guys. I apologize if that's the case. And Ryan, no, I might be wrong. But – they they're not producing dozens of D one talents. I mean, I I I know that you're right about that, and I also know that you know when he took the job, they they basically tore it all the way down to the you know to the foundation, and they're still in the middle of trying to build it back up. And they you know they placed an emphasis on recruiting locally, trying to you know, and, and of course reaching into California and Texas as they typically do. But at some point, at some point, it's got to start paying dividends. And, you know, it's, we're at the point in the season where it's just it's hard to find something new to say about them, which is maybe the most damning thing you can say about a team in the Mountain West. Yeah, and it's – here's the thing. You have the head coach. You have the D.C. Not everybody in your staff has to be a, a guy from Albuquerque or New Mexico. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You ha- you can do both. Um, let me, one quick thing. Where is uh, – I'm going to pull up this one other name here while we go. I'm probably incorrect. If they can grab this guy, um, could they get Brennan Marion to come there? He's a passing coordinator at Te- University no. of Texas. So they're not even him. Board Chiefs coach at Texas. They can't bring the go-go offense to Albuquerque. Well, what happened the last time they brought a, a guy to be a coordinator in from Texas? He got fired know. halfway through this season. Who is that? Um, oh, Derek yeah, Brown. But, yeah, but Marion's a different type of guy, man. I'm just saying. Look what he did Hawaii. He, Look he's, he did not leave, he's not leaving Texas for New Mexico. I'm just saying he—he he, it's a step up in job title, but I get your point. I'm just trying to throw names out there. I'm like, try something. I'm like, go big. Like, I know his trajectory is pretty good. Texas turning things around. He can get a bigger OC job if he wanted to, for sure. But I'm just saying, it doesn't matter who to, the coach is if you don't have a reliable operator. And it's been basically three years running that they haven't had that. I'll disagree because if you run a unique enough offense, you can get things done. Maybe duct tape and chicken wire, but stuff could happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, bring in some unique offense, and you have talent. To some I know you need talent, but if you're unique and different enough, you can start making some a little bit of waves that way more so. But let's move on. This is not an offseason show. This is down the road. We're spending too much time on, on a blowout game. We- it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
We have Boise State, Wyoming, 20-17, to 17, division champs, Broncos, where, dude, that <laughs> that fumble at the end of the game with George Shalani, the, the crew on CBS was going wild. Like Aaron Taylor and was it Carter Blackburn? Is that the other guy who does the game with him? Yeah, I believe so. They were going nuts over Halani fumbles. Or no, was it, it was Rich. It was Rich Waltz, actually. Oh, sorry, he's just blackbirds. Like Halani fumbles. He never fumbles ever. Look at Wyoming's depleted defense. He runs down the field. And uh, what do you feel about that last play of the game? Because Jaden Clemens got the start over Andrew Peasley, who was injured. And I was reading stuff from like Ryan Thorburn and just kind of comments from Craig Bull. They're like, go out and win it. Um. I like to play call, but I don't like throwing to two Boise defenders in the corner of the end zone when you're clearly within field goal range as well. Yeah. And they had plenty of time left. And if you watch replay, there's receivers underneath that were open as well. <laughs> yeah. That was just sort of the, uh, the proverbial cherry on top of a really, really bad day that Clemens had. And it, and it, and it's, it sucks because. This game, on the whole, was basically everything that you could ask for from both of these teams. You know, it was you know wild momentum swings all the way through. You have standout performances on both sides. You get you know offensive guys making plays, defensive guys making plays, and so you know to 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 start by talking about one play almost seems like it does a disservice for the entire game just oh, because it does it's the most important play though i think does that last possession boy she's trying to run the clock out no i mean i i know that i know that you're correct about that it's just man it, it just it, but it really does sort of capture how it, it for for a lot of cowboys fans it must have felt like deja vu all over again because yeah, how many years? How many years ago was it when they were running? Was it with Brian Hill when they had to turn to their third string quarterback? Yeah, when he's Brian Hill's running for probably two hundred yards, probably, and Titus went did that. Yeah, it was a all right. Brian Hill win it for us, and couldn't get it done. Like Titus went. Uh, like it, it he, really made you game. wonder how different the game might have been if Andrew Peasley had been healthy. Yes, because Clemens not to pile on, but here's his exact numbers: three of sixteen. Three of 16. You're telling 30 yards. Three interceptions. The one in the end zone, clearly, that clinched the uh, defeat. What, what is going on in Laramie? It's it's like, what? why? In the, like, I'm going to go back to the one play just because it's whatever. It's happened. You ask your team to win it, and you're – um the, oh, crap, what's the OC name for one? I'm spacing because I'm so flustered. I'm not happy with this. Uh, Jay Polsek. Pull a second. Yeah, that's right. The guy from Iowa who, yeah, that's going well. But Craig Bull goes, go out and win it, OC. You're telling me your play calls of, is it, was this to be the element of surprise, Matt, to go deep <laughs> on the 30 yard, a 30 yard touchdown pass wherever they're at because it's a reasonably deep throw? You have Titus Swen, 11 yards to carry, 83 yard long run, over 200 yards, plenty of time to game. You have, other guys running well. Dewan McKinley had decent time running the ball, seven and a half yards a carry. You're running eight and a half yards per care per play. You have one point nine yard per pass attempt. Like what is going on? Why are you why does it make you think your quarterback can make that play when he's done nothing all game? The defense stood out, the running game stood out, you had made your own turnovers, you had Wild Eckler, Easton Gibbs, your def- your defense was limited because of guys injured. You had 
three sacks, multiple TFLs. Excuse me, no, sorry, no sacks. Three TFLs. You're knocking balls down from Taylor Green all day, and you decide to put on the on the. I'm sorry, Jalen Clement, Jaden Clemens, and your family, but the worst player in the field for your team, you put it in his hand to win it. It should not have come down to that play. Wyoming had better options to win this game, and they chose the worst option. So here, okay, so right? Am I wrong on that? I don't think I'm wrong. That's come on. I don't think you're wrong, and it sucks that came down. But I will say, I will say that a lot of what he tried to do in the game was ultimately spoiled by the Boise State defense playing a really great game in coverage. Yeah, but that double coverage throw is garbage. Come on. But you're not no, wrong. I, mean, that part. That, I know, I know what, what you're, you're getting saying, at. But, like, but, there were, but even when he would try to you know, get into a rhythm you know, early in the game, like you know, there was the first scoring drive that Wyoming had, which you know, I thought it was maybe like their best overall drive of the year. You know, and they went yeah. six plays, 79 yards for that early 7 nothing lead after forcing a fumble. They tack on, you know, three more after that, after a missed, you know, Jonah Dalmas field goal, a rarity badly, in and badly of itself. Badly field goal. So bad. And then yeah, they just set up the football. Yeah, they're, so they're up 10 to nothing. And then the offense basically does nothing for the next, I don't know, quarter and a half. They go Here's three, and out, three and out. Yep. And one, two, three and out three. on three of their next four possessions. And I think I'm at halftime in between. Out of halftime interception that goes for a touchdown for Boise State. Yeah, driving so, as like, well, driving too. It's like, oh, come on. So they had all of the momentum in their hands, and and granted, you know, I, I understand that you know Clemens was having a hard time getting the ball, you know, through Boise State's coverage, and I feel like that was a really you know group effort. Oh yeah, um, they were doing. You know, they're, they're credited with only four pass breakups as a team. Boise State is, but it seemed like every time Clemens thought he had someone open that they were just right there to break it up. And and you know what? That was true on both sides. You know, Wyoming had five passes defended themselves. Jacory Hawkins had a couple of big plays. Rook Brown had one really critical pass breakup. And so, like, you know, both teams were doing really well in terms of, like, you know, getting hands on the football and, and really frustrating both quarterbacks. But that was really the difference in this game where Wyoming – had to try and make do with Jaden Clemens. And then ultimately we stayed at Teal and Green. Yeah, they, it's, it's sucks. Cause everything at Wyoming was great except for quarterback play. Like, had they had, you, like, they you winning, know what? That's not, that's not an exaggeration either. I'm saying Titus went 200 plus yards. You had like, this one even had one of the receptions too. It's, like yeah, and, and it wasn't like they and it wasn't like tough. they let Boise really run wild at any point too. Like you know, they didn't have any sacks in this game. Wyoming didn't, but they had nine quarterback pressures. Mm-hmm. You know, the the defensive line in particular was really getting after it, and seemed like you know guys like you know Olaseyo, Matosho, Devon Harris were pretty much everywhere. But the problem was, you know, they gave up just enough breathing room to green not only through the air but on the ground too like he didn't run the ball that much but he Aston Genty and George Halani were ultimately able to sort of do enough to keep the to keep the Cowboys at arm's length down the stretch yeah that, that's always yeah their defense like the running game was pretty good for Boise six over six yards to carry like Halani had the unfortunate fumble 
but he still had 130 yards. They Boise also have big plays. Like they had what, at least six plays over 11 yards or more. So they're quite a few seven plays. Yeah, they're they getting had, they had big 13 plays. explosive plays all together, totaling 261 yards. Yeah, and that that's a big deal. Like they're making bigger plays, obviously, because it Titus White could do so much. Also, like here's a couple reasons. Like you'd look at the box, like well, wow. I mean, they were they forced Boise only four 13 on third downs. They forced two turnovers. They Yards per play was fine, but then Wyoming goes one of ten on third down. They had three turnovers, so they're minus one. But like one point nine yards per pass, it's like he had as many complete he had as many completions at Boise State that that he did to his own team. And so mm-hmm. like, there's not much to say. It's like this is just your second place in the division. Like you had any any type of quarterback, you win this game. You have, you have Peasley go literally six of ten to win this game. I'm thinking. You might not You're be wrong home? about that. Like their biggest home game in in years, they win. They're basically in the division title game. It's like, and there's not much more to say. It's just a quarterback play, kind of just. And I will say the play calling, the last play again. Like, why are you going deep? I get you want to just win it, take care of business. But when he got the ball, what was there? Ninety seconds left. Let me see real quick. How much time? Give or take, yeah. There was it. Is a six second drive. Obviously, they got the ball. No, no, actually, thirty nine seconds looks like. I'm not sure their timeout situation, but I think they had one left, if I'm not mistaken. And but they're at the Boise 21 yard line, and so okay, 21 yard line, 39 seconds. You have a timeout. If you're gonna make a throw, make it to only where your guy can catch it too. But they could have ran the ball on first down, get to who knows six, seven yards. Obviously, that seems realistic. You're at second and four at the 15. It's like okay, at worst you're kicking a field goal, go to overtime. Like your it, just, it seemed odd. It seemed odd to play it so safe in the middle of the and game then, and on both on both sides of halftime, and yeah. then to make that decision in the most critical situation of the entire contest late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. But they're going bowling. So seven and four. They got Fresno next week, right? Wyoming does. Yes, they're on the road okay. at Bulldog Stadium. So I mean, it could have been a moot point if they went, if they were to go to the conference title game because they'd have to beat Fresno as well. So mm-hmm. beating Boise and Fresno stuff, but all right, should we move on to the next game? Let's do it. What what's next one here? I'm I'm on so many tabs here. I'm clicking around. What's next here? Let's uh let's go to let's go to Air Force twenty four, Colorado State twelve. A bit closer than expected, right? Only a twelve point victory over the Rams. Did you okay? Here's the question though: Do you ever really think? Colorado State threatened in this game? Of course not. I'm just saying point wise. They're up seventeen point or wise, half yeah. <laughs> no, the the control the controlness of this game is not even worth controlness. But when you have Brad Roberts go for 180 yards, DeAndre Hughes, who makes an appearance, when they run five yards of carry and they basically get go at will. No. And the defense having, let's see, seven sacks. Is that correct on here against Clay Millen? Because the Rams offensive line is POS and not good. So no, it's just yeah, the Rams. Vince, Vince me, Sanford, welcome back. Four sacks, oh. five TFLs. Ooh, boy, defensive player of the week. Mark it, book it. Right? Or is there somebody Probably. else? Probably. Yeah, sacks, and, and Peyton Zadrake, who's been very quietly pretty productive on the interior of that defensive line. You know, he had two sacks as well. And you know, we talked about it on the preview podcast how, and uh, and our our Air Force writer Sean sort of you know poked fun at us on on Twitter about it as the game was going on. But you know, going into that contest, it was sort of an open question as to whether Air Force would be able to exploit what has been, as we've talked about ad nauseum, 
all season long, a very poor Rams offensive line. And so the fact that they were able to, you know, have their way with Clay Millen just about as well as anybody else did to this point in the year, you know, that took them a long way. And that is in spite of the fact that Millen did, you know, answer at least a little bit. He was 19 to 24, did have, you know, the two second half touchdowns, but, you know, by the time they were really able to get anything going in terms of like explosiveness through the passing game, it was already too late. Yeah, they're, the Rams are getting here's the thing, they're getting more competitive because they've been playing in closer games. Like they almost beat mm-hmm. Halloween, the 14 13. They've been a bit closer in these games, but they still just don't have again with them offensive line, and that'd be obviously much more helpful for give Clay Millen time to throw. Because even the Rams defense, or excuse me, offense, like Torrey Horton, he had only three catches for 35 yards, and one was that long play. So they held him yeah. in check. So Falcon secondary gives a lot of credits, even though Millen had two TDs. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're happy. And Horton got one of those, but we're not going to let Horton beat us. Yeah, Justice, Ross Simmons was decent. Jalen Thomas, six for 49. But nobody was amazing on that Rams offense and reception-wise. And so give credit that that includes because you get the sacks, you get the quarterbacks, get the hands up, DBs playing well. But also, Avery Moore didn't do much. He's been having, not to say he's up and down, but he's he said he's been either not, he's been great, but then just okay. And this game, he wasn't very good. He only had eight carries. And so that comes with your offensive line not being great. Well, when we're down 17-0, they kind of had to play catch up that second half. And, yeah. And so that's part of it, too. You're down 17-0, you score two touchdowns in the second half, and you're going for two-point conversions and stuff like that. You're trying to chase points. It's not not ideal what you're trying to do there. But it, like Fal- Falcons, they step on defense. They had, let's see, they felt like – Rams do they need points when they're down 17-0. Actually, down 24. Sorry, I made a mistake. I didn't realize they're down that big. But they go for it on fourth and five late in the game to try to get something going. Falcons, whoop, 12 plays, 5-5-34 at o'clock, touchdown, 77 yards. And, yeah, it took me like the last yeah, touchdown. I mean, even that, even yeah. when Air Force wasn't putting together scoring drives, like oh, most of their drives chewed up a ton of time yeah, in this game. was six, six minutes, the – End of down, basically ended the clock in the game. I was 90, or excuse me, not 96. The uh, 11 plays, 16 yards for five minutes, Matt. That's a, that's a feat I haven't, would have never. I think that's how you do right. it. <laughs> Wait, I, oh my gosh, I don't, I didn't, I don't think I watched the end of, I didn't watch the end of this game. Like, how did they race all that clock? Okay, good for them. That's fine, whatever. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a master play of running the clock out without moving the ball. So <laughs> there's that too. But the Rams are slowly improving, but. They're clearly not there yet for this year, but they're doing, yeah, two wins, but Norville's been more competitive going from going back to like losing FCS games early in the year and stuff like that, like Sac State and everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we mentioned with New Mexico, that, that game, I believe it's in Albuquerque next week, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be a big opportunity for both sides to try and build some momentum going forward. Whatever it is, give me the Rams. I don't care. And excuse me. It's, it is in Fort Collins on Friday. Oh. Okay, regardless, give it to the Rams. That's even more so to give yeah. it to the Rams. You know what I mean? All right, next game. Where are we going next year? Utah State, okay. San Jose, is that where we're at next? Wild game, right? That blocked putt for touchdowns. I've never – it's been a long time since I've seen a putt go like 18 yards. That's blocked and returned for touchdown. <laughs> so, did you – okay, so did you happen to see um, what Bill Connolly posted about post-game win expectancies from this past week? I did not get to check on his. What do you say about this one? 
So, so for those of you who don't follow him on Twitter, I would, first of all, I highly recommend it at yes. ESPN underscore Bill C. But what he does every week is he, he, pl- he puts out what is the, the, the lowest post game win expectancies of the week, which are basically just like if you plugged in the numbers for team A and the numbers for team B in terms of like what SP plus looks for, you would say team A would be expected to win X percent of the time. So when you look at this contest, and you see that one San Jose State outgained Utah State on a per play basis, about five point nine to five point one. Um, I believe they also won the turnover battle, if I'm not mistaken. You know, San Jose State had two interceptions and, and grabbed a fumble. Um, yep, they weren't quite as effective on third downs. That's where Utah State had an advantage. Um, also, much. Less, much fewer penalties than Utah State did. So there's a there's a lot of things on paper that you would think that San Jose State would probably have won this game handily. Do you happen to know, or would you like to take a guess as to what Utah State's post game win expectancy was? I'm trying to think. The only thing Utah State did really good all those numbers they were ten to seventeen on third down, two or three on fourth downs. Yeah, obviously, you're right minus three turnover, sixty yard difference in uh, penalty wise. Um, obviously, it goes toward the Spartans. I don't follow it enough to go, so it's really shot and dark, but give me 77%. 9.4%. Oh, wait, wait, is this Utah State or San Jose State? Utah State's post-game win expectancy was oh. under 10%. I made a mistake if I was reading that. I thought it was. So how he does it, okay, I'm way off on, on thinking about this because I don't look at that too often. So when it's post-game win expectancy, it's per, it's always for the team that won, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay, so flip mine around. I was saying... Basically, twenty. Okay, my my. If, you, if I do it the oh, proper way, twenty three percent for Utah State to win. So, mm-hmm. but that's that's okay. I just had it backwards. I was thinking, yeah, Spartans are win that much time. So, that's not shocking because a block punt is really fluky, particularly that style of block punt. But yeah, you're minus three turnovers, but it, it comes down to like freaking Calvin Tyler Jr., one of the best running backs in conference, three touchdowns, busting through, scoring plays. You had what was the stat you put up for the secondary for um the DB for for Utah State? Um, oh, well, I just read it earlier today. Where he had, like so he's barely been thrown against this year, and like he's allowed like fifty something yards. Oh, no, that, that wasn't me. I, I I think I know who you're. Are you retweeting it? The Ike Larson, correct? Act, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Was that? Am I think? What am I thinking of? Man? I, maybe I'm thinking something completely different. I, I, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. It was like, oh, it was, was it the ag ship guy? Was that what it was? I forget. I believe so. I can't remember exactly yeah, he, who it was, but I know the tweet you're talking about. Yeah, we're like giving up like 50 yards all year, like no touchdowns. And like, Ike Larson's so good, but he had only one tackle in this game and he don't sell the numbers he puts up. Yeah. But like, but overall, like this team, like Calvin Tyler, huge game. Brian Cobb, like that one, that one catch he had, like, how did he come down with that? Like, what's going on? Like he yeah. busts through everywhere. I'm like, what's going on here with him going with doing what he did? Like he's stood out. The guy he's the Maryland transfer came coming over, but like he's had a huge game. But like Cordero played well. Like San Jose State did fine. Like, their running game was okay. That's always the thing I point to. Kyrie Robinson was fine, twelve for sixty nine. But Elijah Cook stood out. Justin Lockhart stood out. It's just they were not efficient when they needed to be so because they're. I'll point mostly to third down when you're five or thirteen on third down. And your plus three and turnover margin. I don't know how you don't win this game. You started off up, score the first touchdown of the game, and you get an inter- like uh, you get an interception. Uh, you're up six zero. You get the interception. You go down. Nothing happens. They just were shut out. That first half wasn't good. After that first uh, 
touchdown. It's like they were not moved three and out, three and out, four plays. They Utah State figured them out early on, and they only scored what three points off turnovers. It looks like I believe out of those mm-hmm. three turnovers, like I don't know. I'm not, I'm not gonna say the put, the touchdown for a punt. Well, because that's obviously all points kind of the same, but that was a big turning point when they go up 21 to six. Luckily, Spartans responded after that because had they not responded, been tor- down 21 six and a half, this could have been a, a blowout in the half and the making. But luckily, that, yeah. that's, the only, that's the only time all game they respond. Well, two times a game they responded. After the punt touchdown, they went four plays, 65 yards. And then in the second half, where it went, I guess, fumbled a field goal, technically responded, but they responded well by outscoring Utah State 10 to seven. Mm-hmm. But then after that, that's kind of it. And they had a lead yeah, too, mean, lead late in the game too. So we're crapping on the San Jose State a little bit, but they they were up thirty one to twenty eight late in the game. Late in the game, they were they had a field goal lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and and the crazy thing is, but you know, I think it, what we're sort of overlooking here is like, yeah, they gave up thirty one points, but I I would say that the defense also had a really good game. And and made sort of key plays exactly when they needed to to give themselves breathing room. So, like as we sort of talked about with with Boise State Wyoming, there were junctures in this game where had things gone a little bit differently, it could have been a much different contest. And one thing that I'm looking at in particular is you know in the middle of the third quarter, San Jose State's driving. I think it's their first drive out of halftime. They're down 21-13. They get to they get inside the Utah State red zone. And you know, second and nine at the Aggies 18-yard line. Bo Miley and, and Daniel Grzesiak, Kaleo Neves, back-to-back sacks, force them into a field goal. It's 21 to 16. Immediately afterwards, Utah State answers with another touchdown, extends their lead to, to 12, 28-16. From there, it ends up being that same kind of back and forth battle that you talked about. But like, imagine if you know they had you know, you mentioned that the Spartans had a field goal lead going into the last stretch of the game, but their lead could have been even more significant if they managed to get six points, seven points instead of being held to a field goal right there. And I think that that was sort of you know the, the story of the game where it, unless you you were really paying attention. You, you wouldn't have noticed like how impactful a lot of those you know big plays that Utah State made were. You know, Halemoto Apuaka had a couple sacks. They had seven TFLs as a team. With Byron Vaughn's forced to fumble. You know, they had six pass breakups as well. Johnny Carter and Michael Anyanu had a couple apiece. So yeah, it was definitely sort of a, a back and forth battle. But I think you know the the offensive numbers are going to get more attention. Uh, just by virtue of being, you know, bigger, more prominent on the stat sheet, but I think you have to give credit to uh, to the defense as well for being able to step up and make plays when they did throughout the game. Yeah, they did, and like this was an exciting game back and forth, weird stuff happening. But it's like again, Spartans should not have lost this game. Probably it's, not. Probably not. Like, like I can't say the run game, but you get the turnovers, you get good field position. The only screw up they had was that block punt. They said, "Well, I guess not executed offensively. Obviously, bigger picture, but the only weird, weird, tangible screw—not not even screw up, but just because Utah State brought like the heavy blitz for that block and that end of the second half, or excuse me, end of the first." Yes, half, yes, quarter. and no. It also it also took the Spartans a long time to get going on offense. 
Yeah, it took them a minute because yeah, because again, the they only had time they five had five straight drive. drives in the first half where they where they they had to punt, mm-hmm. and three of those were were three consecutive three and outs. Exactly, they got to go in the second half, but it's too late when you're down twenty one thirteen. Yeah, and both teams are scoring, not just you. It's also like field goals. They don't kick a field goal in that first in the second. Excuse me, the second possession of the whole game in the second half after Utah State fumbled, they go down to the twenty four yard line. They had to kick a field goal. They get inside the red zone. Guys score points, touchdowns, man. That's simple enough as it is. Yeah, I mean so, it was it was very it was very feast or famine because you know and and Siobhan Cordero for the for the game like it, it looks impressive. You know, twenty of thirty four touchdowns, two hundred fifty seven yards. But if you actually look at sort of the breakdown of of how his his day went, you know, he was four of his first five all. All four of those completion, completions were chunk plays, including the, the touchdown to Elijah Cooks. But then after that, you know, from basically attempts six to 15, he only completed like four of them. It was like four for his next 10. And then by the time he got it together and, and strung together like four more chunk plays, you know, late in, late before the half, early in the second half, you know, by then it was a really back and forth battle, and it wasn't like they were getting a lot of pressure on Laga either. So while Laga wasn't perfect on the day, you know, he was good enough, and he had help from guys like Cobbs and Tyler Jr. to be able to outlast him. Exactly. And we'll end on this: Utah State now bowl eligible, which was a far fetched thought after getting their butt beat by Weber State early on in the year. So congrats it's, to them for it's been a really impressive five. turnaround, and it, and it and it and it hasn't always been easy either. Like they they found ways to win games in in much different ways from week to week. You know, sometimes it's with their backup quarterback, sometimes it's with their defense and special teams, and in a game like this, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, exactly. All right, next game we have. This will be a quick one: Fresno State forty-one, Nevada fourteen. About what you expected, right? Yeah, it was like everybody Brandon's like, I can't watch this. Or he's like, I'm watching this for JK and who had 361 yards on two touchdowns as well. But overall, like this is what you expected. Cropper had a big game. You had Mims have a big game, both over hundred plus yards receiving rushing. Huge play by Mims on the ground. Nate Cox yardage wise did fine. That's actually honestly a pretty good thing. Toatel had to get a lot of yards. But and then also I guess we gotta get some love to the Levon Campbell for 120 yards. And a couple of deep plays. There was some positive for Nevada, like moving the ball a little bit, but their defense is just so bad. It is, yeah, not great. I know they got the quarterback, like a couple sacks, a couple of TFLs, but they just could not stop this passing game. 361. This was probably more than I expected. I thought it'd be a little bit l- touch closer, but not really. Like winning by three mm-hmm. touchdowns was kind of my baseline minimum. And Fresno just went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, <laughs> touchdown the first half. 24 halftime, it's game over, folks. And Nevada just had to uh, punt, punt, punt. I do like their aggressive, aggressive dismount in the second half going for it when they're down, and that's fine. Try to make plays. Give your give something for your team to be happy about and cheer about or excited because you're not winning. It's like, yeah, we're not punting the ball. We're going for it on fourth down. Let's try to get something done. And no, could not get it done. <laughs> Well, you, okay, so you mentioned Sanford as sort of being the easy defensive player of the week choice this week, but uh, let's not forget David Perales either. Again? Um, yeah, yeah. you stri- strip sack. Yes, couple TFLs. He made, made a big stop on a fourth down to force a turnover on downs and had an interception in this game. 
He did okay. He'll he'll be up there. I still think if you get four sacks in a game, you're probably getting player of the week or up there. But that's still also Prowlis already wanted. Didn't he have like five sacks a couple weeks ago or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think it was about a month ago at this point. But yeah, so but just depends on whether you want someone who does a lot of one thing or a little bit of everything. No, no yeah, wrong three, choices though. It's true. Also include those three QB hurries and one pass deflected too. So yeah. But over, like, what do we want to say about Nevada? Like, Nate Cox acts honestly, 247 yards, not bad for what we've seen. A couple picks, clearly not what you, not ideal. He was under 50% completion rate, which isn't good. He did make deep plays. So there's some positive for what he's been doing. But again, it just comes down to Fresno, just too much firepower. That's all there is to it. There's not much else. Yeah. And I guess eight of 18 on third down does surprise me for Nevada. That's actually better than I thought, just under 50%. Not great, but not terrible. But minus three turnover margin, penalty wise. There's no what else there to say. Fresno did what Fresno thought they'd do, right? Yeah. Oh, Wrapped also up the West Division in doing so too. That's about to say West Division going to Boise in a couple weeks. We need to definitely mention that. So also, Matt, it comes out to exactly what we thought: Boise versus Fresno State. Sometimes we know what we're talking about. Never in doubt. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boise losing UTEP and Jake Kane out for a month. Yeah, never. And they lose to UConn. Yeah, that UConn and UTEP loss are who the Mountain West champions are playing. The division champs are playing against each other for, and they both have those two losses. Yikes. Final game of the weekend. Um, UNLV 25, Hawaii 31. Let me ask you this, because I, I put it, I retweeted. Did you see what I retweeted from Sean Cunningham and kind of commented on it? Uh, right no, podcast. I did not. So let me ask you this before I mention what he tweeted. Is it, I think it's a good and a bad thing. Did UNLV, for this record-wise, do you um, – I'm going to ask you to dig something up if you don't have it. Do you know what your record was for UNLV preseason? Do you recall? Uh, I believe I had them at like five and seven, if I'm not mistaken. If you want to okay. vamp for a minute, I can look that up. Okay. So, yeah, definitely. I'll look up mine too in a second. But – I don't think their record. It it could be two things can be true. Like they could be. No, disappointed. I, I stand corrected. I had them at four and eight. Okay, so do you feel the season? Have they lived up to expectations this year? Given okay, <sighs> I know. I'm just, it's tough to say because of what we've seen throughout the given year. And then how, what we given preseason. how they looked early in the season, I think it is really really difficult to say yes. And I know that they had the rash of injuries in the middle of the season, but at the same time, you know, this is, this is now three straight weeks where they have lost by fewer than eight points. And I put it out there in the, in, I can't remember if I mentioned it on Twitter in the winners and losers column that I wrote, you have to go back to 2019 to find the last time they won a one possession game. Cause they had so many last year. They were over six last year. And over four this year. And at some point, well, at some point, turn, it's right? got to be about the coaching, right? And they've had four this year if you go all the way back to the Cal game. Because, you know, and I put it out there that they had six different trips to the Hawaii 30-yard line or, or deeper into Warrior territory. And they had, they had what, 13 points on those trips, I think? Something like that. It was just not nearly efficient enough. And and granted, um, excuse me, 19 points on six trips. And granted, you know, Daniel Gutierrez was as good as ever, four or five 
you know, only missed from uh, from 44 yards, but he had four, three other 40-yard makes. But this is exactly the thing that has betrayed them throughout conference play. And I wasn't aware how hard the regression had really hit them in that regard until I started doing research for the column. Did you? Okay, so in non-conference play, when which was when they had their most successful stretch of the year, UNLV had converted 87%, 87.5% of the red zone trips into touchdowns. That's good. S- since going into conference play, that number has dropped to 41%. Not good. <laughs> more than It's been more than halved, all the way from first to 10th in the conference. And granted, some of that has to do with injuries, but you can't really lean on that excuse anymore because Brumfield's been back for a couple of weeks now. Kyle Williams has been back for a few weeks. They got Jeff Weimer back and he had a touchdown in his return. You know, they, they got Aiden Robbins back and he was, you know, he had a, a couple of nice big runs, but was mostly had a modest game, 17 carry 72 yards. They just, I don't know how you explain it. They got gun shy. In the, in the, or they just couldn't get it done in in those situations again. You know, they were only 4-14 on third downs again. And that's another area where they've struggled in recent weeks too. So, you know, you can you could talk about all this. And we haven't even talked about Hawaii yet. Like, you know, we, we oh, talked okay. going into the preview podcast that, you know, the biggest thing for the Warriors was efficiency. And, you know, all of a sudden against this, against this Rebels defense, I think that was maybe the biggest letdown of all. Where, you know, Austin Ajiaki had a great game, you know, 15 tackles, two TFLs. But one, they didn't get any pressure on Braden Shager at all. You know, Adam Plant had one sack and that was it. Shager, in turn, had probably his best game of the year. 16 of 27, 202 yards and three touchdowns. You know, they got, you know, you know, very good performance from Dedrick Parson. You know, Tylen Hines continued to be a very strong complementary piece. Those two combined for nearly 200 yards rushing, well over six yards per carry. Your man Zion Bones had a big touchdown pat reception. Yeah, and there was you know some really puzzling decision making too. I think there were there were people wondering why UNLV was onside kicking late in the game. It was just, you know, some of this stuff you can you might be able you might be able to explain it away. But this is a game and and you know t- there were you brought up the one tweet from Sean Cunningham. There was, I think, you know, Caleb Herring, the play-by-play guy, former UNLV quarterback. His tweet was just no words. You know, yeah, so it me... seemed like the it seemed like the consensus was UNLV should have won this game. Oh, they should have. And that brings back let me bring should, back. My... They should have, but you know what? Credit to, credit to Hawaii for going out there and taking it because we yes. have seen them improve over the course, over the second half of the season too. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they like the rebels have had some disappointments. They've had some close call themselves, but they went out and got it in this game. They took advantage of a rebels defense. That's, you know, that has had a tendency to give up a lot of big plays and sure enough, that's exactly what they did in this game. And the offense just was not efficient enough at moving the chains to be able to keep up. Yeah, like you mentioned, field goals. Four field goals and one missed field goal in this game. Mm-hmm. 
But also, let me go back to the point. Do you think UNLV um, – I think but what we know, we've seen them. They should have made a bowl game. I think that's clear. Even without Doug Brumfield, those games, they should have – like, give credit to Hawaii, but they, they were favored. UNLV should have won. Is UNLV improving over the compared to the past couple of years? Okay, let me, let me ask you this. Given everything, how much different is this than the 2019 team or the 2018 team that Tony Sanchez had? This team scored points. I had to look, but this team's put I mean, more that, points. That team, that team had a tendency to score some points, too. Okay. Fair they're, they're, okay, they're but averaging, they're, okay on, their scoring average is, is 26.3 points per game through 11 games. When Tony okay. Sanchez got fired in 2019, it was 24.2. So there's a difference of about two points per game. Okay. And it's actually under where they were in 2018 when they scored 28 points per game. What were the what were the records in those, those years? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I, well, I, I think they were, I think they were five and seven, and then four and eight in those years, if I'm not mistaken. So they're about the same, right? Yeah, 20 or no, excuse me, they were four and eight in both seasons. So although, I mean, on the one hand, on the one hand, Rowe is still going to get the claim that he doubled the win total from last year. Sure. But at the same time, you know, they keep shooting themselves in the foot in exactly the same way. You know, we, we didn't really mention it at the time, but the way they lost to San Diego State was a lot the same as the way that they lost to Cal in non-conference play. Yeah, and this on its face probably looks different, but this is the exact same problem that they've run into. It's just, you know, not enough efficiency on the opponent's side of the field. Not enough say turning opportunities like that into touchdowns. And that has really been the thing that has held them back down the stretch. Where I say they're better, they have better quarterback play they've had in years. I think that's fair to say. With yes. Is that helpful? But what I would say, like, here's a tweet I was kind of replied back to. It's kind of so much your thoughts on this. And I think it's they, they're correct. They can be correct, upset, and angry, and also wrong at the same time. Because it's Vegas Rebel. We've, I've been writing from Twitter. They do some. They're used to, but they talk UNLV sports all the time. So, but tier three of a Royal era, UNLV couldn't get to bowl eligible in the worst Mountain West in years. In years, true. They missed Boise and Wyoming, correct, easy schedule. Included a very bad Hawaii program. Cal, that's very bad. And then I don't know why they put this, but it's kind of true. The worst San Diego State team in years and the worst Reno, Nevada team ever about. They still couldn't get to a bowl game. Everything was set up this year to get to a bowl game. Is there anything yes. wrong with that? Like, I agree with all that. And I kind of replied back from our account, just so if you see any mention, like, what's going on? I say it's also correct. But also, again, if they should have been there regardless. But also, do you think that tweet screams or speaks to you about they think expectations are higher at this moment or that they should be higher? Yes. And they should be because they okay. looked really good in September. That's why I'm okay. That's why I, that's I kind of feel about like, I, it, it does. Also, the Brumfield injury really set them back. Like, their offense was dismal. Like, I, you mentioned the points per game, like, being less. But without Brumfield, if you include the game Brumfield started, their point total shoots up because they scored only seven points for San Jose, seven points for Air Force, and a reason, a reasonable, respectable 21 versus Notre Dame. If Brumfield plays, I'm not saying they win either of those games, but he wouldn't be playing his way back and losing San Diego State, possibly, with it being that similar... Because that's his first game back, he wasn't fully healthy. He or he, not healthy, but practice wise, like being sharp. 
just saying, like, there's things like that where you have to consider where if he's healthy the whole time, they went, they're not going on a seven game lose, six game losing streak, excuse me. And so that's where I feel like I, I agree with both. Easiest schedule in the years, they still couldn't do it. However, when Brumfield's healthy, they put up 34 in Utah State. They blew out North Texas. They had issues versus Cal, yeah. They beat New Mexico fine, but that's what they should do when they're the superior team over the Lobos. That we knew this stretch was also difficult. Saying like that's also too. The second half was much more difficult. Spartans bowl team, Air Force bowl team, Notre Dame bowl team. All these teams are facing your bowl team except for Hawaii. So there's there's two sides to it where they looked great against bad competition, and that's the time when Utah State was reeling as well. So there's two ways to look at it, but they this was set up for them with what we saw the first couple weeks because losing to Cal back then. Okay, whatever. Cal's not great, but we weren't sure what UNLV was because they played Idaho State and had an off week and put up 52 points. So we're like, okay, whatever. But then they put up 58 for North Texas. They beat Utah State, and we still think they're a solid, decent team, even though they were questioned after Weber State and Alabama schlocking. But it's not the same old UNLV. I don't think it's saying it's the same old UNLV team. That just It kind of is the Hawaii game, but they are improving. When Brumfield's a guy out there playing healthy – and not coming back from injury in that game one versus Aztecs. Like, nobody thought they beat Fresno State. Like, these losses, Notre Dame, Air Force, all those losses they were outside Hawaii were expected losses regardless. So that shouldn't be a surprise, but it could still be disappointing from the way they've been playing leading up to it and how they lost. But it's also Cam Frill, not Doug Brumfield, those couple games. Yeah, but, at the, you know, at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's sort of a, like a, it's, 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 probably like what the first sort of program defining win for Timmy Chang and company. Is it not? You want to call beat UNLV at home a defining win in your program? That's a, I don't know if I can. I mean, there, there's been, a, the Warriors have had a lot of growing pains over the last 12 months. You know, turning it's good the they page won. Yeah. On, a, on, on, the, on the messy Todd Graham era, you know, having the mass exodus. And, and ironically, maybe not ironically, it's probably not the right word. But it was really like the, the veterans who stuck around to be a part of the senior night that made the most impact in this game. You know, we mentioned Dedrick Parson, we mentioned mentioned Zion Bowens, but we didn't mention like the offensive line, for instance, which happened to start five seniors. You know, they had a major impact on this game just by virtue of, of opening lanes for Parson and Hines and also you know, keeping Shager on his feet more often than not. You know, on defense, Logan Taylor had a great game. He sort of come on strong late in the year. He had 11 tackles and an interception in a TFL. You know, but a lot of their disruption, a lot of their havoc came from their senior, you know, veterans. You know, Penny, he had a sack. Uh, Jonah Kahawai Welch had a sack. You know, it was, it was a group effort from these veterans that really sort of paved the way. And I think that that gives something that they can hang their hat on when these guys graduate and move on to the to the next stage of their life, that Hawaii has something they can look forward to be like, well, we are building something here. Look what we are capable of doing. Yeah. It's it's a good good win, but program defined for Chang, I don't know. I mean That's it's a... sort of like the the like the I mean program defining in the sense that it's the first extended glimpse that you know what they are trying to build can pay dividends. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, to your point that you just said a minute ago that, you know, you might have said that nobody expected UNLV to beat Fresno State. You might have also said that nobody expected Hawaii to beat UNLV either. 
at this point in the year, yeah, preseason wise, it was a toss up. I had actually, yeah. I had UNLV winning, but it was 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 kind of eh, probably one of those type of deals. So I mean, I think that you know Hawaii definitely has good vibes. They can they can build upon going into their season finale next week. Um, I believe where they they are at San Jose State last next Saturday. UNLV, but I mean, yes, yeah. UNLV though, UNLV, what do they do if they can't reclaim the Fremont Cannon at home? Next Saturday. They need to blow the doors off Nevada. Something to chew on, though. Well, we'll talk about that more when we get to our preview podcast in a few days. Yeah, we'll get that. We got Thanksgiving next week, so preview podcast about early, earlier than typical, like Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for your travels. So that's it for this week. MWR.com. Fascinating week. It was a great week for all these games. we got one more week left. Title game set. But check us out. MWR.com, like I said. Podcast, subscribe, download, tell your friends. Hey, go, um, it's a long weekend. So if you're out with your family's like, Hey, you like football? Oh, you're a Nevada guy. These guys sort of know what they're talking about. They can make you laugh. There's this one guy goes and rants all the time and yells, but it's cool just to make sure your volume set appropriately. So t- tell a couple of friends about it. We'd appreciate it. So we also got feast week for basketball coming up. Aztecs are in the Maui invite playing Ohio state Monday. So if you listen to this before that, check out our preview and stuff on there about hoops, but we'll be back next week and actually a couple of days, Matt, to, preview the final regular season week of the season. Then it's award season, bowl season, and then I'm not going to say the O word, but we're moving on after that. So I'm just saying. <laughs> we're not there yet. We got a lot of left to do. We got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So we'll see you next time, folks.